Welcome to Job Seekers Radio. I'm Andrew. And I'm Scott. This is a podcast dedicated to providing you meaningful support to find great careers faster. Whether you're working or not. We are coming to you from the city of Portland, that is... The City of Roses. Today on Job Seekers Radio, we're talking about how you can get started in networking when you just don't know anybody. So often we start out, especially if we are looking for a job unexpectedly, we wonder who could I possibly turn to? Who could I, who, who do I know? Uh, my friends or family aren't involved in my industry or the kind of work that I do. How can I possibly move forward? And the hardest thing to realize is how many people you actually already know who can help you. You got to want to. That's so true. So part of the part of the networking process, if you're out of work and you're like, ah, the, the applications maybe aren't doing it for me, or whatever the reason is, you think you should be networking, you have to want to do it. Yeah. And and that's the biggest challenge most people have because they come to me and say, hey, I don't know anybody, and I always challenge them. I mean, that cannot be possible. Right. That you don't know anybody. You never worked with anybody. You never went to school with anybody. You never went to the doctor. Right. Never visited a dentist. You have never been never outside your groceries. home. <laughs> yeah. And while that may challenge some people and really it's not comfortable, it's still a valuable question to ask because change begins at the end of your comfort zone. I know we've heard that quote a lot, but you have to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. So when we talk about the idea that you have to be willing to network, you have to want to network, there are a lot of people who say, oh, no, no, I'm an introvert, or I don't socialize easily, or I deal with anxiety, and all of that may be true. All of that is valid, but you can still want to. Accepting the limitations that you have is one thing. Accepting them as the only truth is a choice. And no matter where you are on that spectrum, you can choose to want to do that. Will it be harder for some people than others? Yes. Can we acknowledge that? Yes. The people that it, it appears to me that have the hardest time are the ones that have been working for so long. They've been in a job or were offered upgrades to their job or promotions or in a new group or a new project. They just never had to do it. Right. And now they feel like they have to do it versus they get to do it. Because right. it's the most productive way to find work. Right. They have to believe that it's the most productive way to find work. Right. And then if it is, you got to want to do it. In that I've found that having something that you're going after that encourages you or motivates you or inspires you to do something you normally wouldn't do is a good idea. Yeah. There's also the approach of taking this as change management. There are a number of change management models out there. Personally, I'm certified in the ProSci change management model. Uh, that's P-R-O-S-C-I. Uh, if you're interested in knowing more about that, I would send people to their website. There are stages that you go through. And in this methodology, it talks about awareness and desire being the first two steps. So as you're making this change, as you're approaching the need to network, the awareness of why networking is important really is a, a key aspect of your ability to say, yes, I want to do this. Because the second stage, the second phase is desire. So if you can get the awareness of why we do this, the value of it, the risk of not doing it, that can help you build that desire to get out there and actually start networking. And we've talked about this, the anatomy of 
the networking conversation uh, that helps with the awareness of why we do this. The fact that statistically speaking, networking is the most effective way to find your next position. And we'll leave the link in the show notes to that series. Uh, it's a four-part series. You're welcome to download that series and listen through it. There's a lot of nuggets in there that I think you would benefit from. Uh, the idea here, though, is if I'm somebody who claims or believes they don't have anybody to meet, the first step in my mind is to establish really what do you want? Yeah. What do you want the most? And that comes not only for companies you want to work for, but also the titles you're seeking. Sure. Having clarity around that will lead you to certain people and certain companies you may not have known about before. Now, you bring up a really good point when it comes to titles. So often, we think of the title that we want as being the title that we had or maybe one of the other titles in our company. It's really important to remember that different companies have different titling ideas. Uh, they, you know, a VP in one place may be a director in another. They may call them by different words. For example, you may in your company or your former company be working with human resources and in another company it's called the people organization. There's probably a reason they call it something else. So that may actually trigger you to find different kinds of titles or to expand the kind of title that you're looking for in your search. Using different keywords other than the ones that you just came from can be really helpful in finding opportunities that you hadn't seen before. By establishing what you want, you really make it easy on yourself to identify the right people and the right opportunities to have conversations in the marketplace, making the starting of networking with people I don't know a little easier. Right. You're also making it easier for the people you're talking to to understand what you want. Making some decisions on how to expand that search can really help you find opportunities that you may not have thought of before. The other thing that you want to decide is, do you want to stay in your current position or do you want to move up? That will also change the kinds of titles that you're looking for, the kind of work that you might be doing searches for, keyword searches. If you decide that you want to stay on this level and you have a set of reasons for wanting to stay there, for example, my, uh, I have a very close friend who wants to be an administrative assistant. That's all he wants to do because he wants the work-life balance that allows him to pursue his passion of running a theater company. And so he needs that, that, that margin. flexibility. Yeah. yeah. He has the skills to be a really effective uh, manager, but he doesn't want to do that. Now, there are others who want to continue moving up. If you do want to move up, um, that's going to open up some different conversations for you to have. This is a time when I would probably work with a mentor or someone that I, I know has um, some, some uh, executive or supervisory experience. What kinds of things would they want to see in my resume or what kinds of things should I be talking about in my networking so that I can show that my skills are ready to move me into the next higher position. A lot of times if we have been able to show our own leadership skills without being in a leadership position, whether that's leading a project or times when I have been able to demonstrate the ability to inspire other people to greater outcomes. These are the sorts of things that they will want to see if you want to move up into a management position or higher. So what does that look like? And when you can articulate that, 
that is going to be really helpful. Well, keep track. Write this stuff down. Right? Absolutely. As you, as you go through the process of networking, you're not only going to learn something about yourself, but about another person and maybe even an industry you weren't even aware of. Right. And so keeping track of this stuff somewhere is a good idea. Uh, I, I think the other thing to think about is as you're going through this process and you then identified the people, you know, you might give yourself a little grace and say, okay, yeah, I guess I can admit I do know somebody. I'm going to go ahead and start maybe with my family, my in-laws, my cousins, my right. fill in the blank with somebody right. that you already know. And it doesn't have to be somebody that knows your profession, but just knows you. So often we think about the networking as we have to talk to other people in our profession, right? Well, when you, if you approach, say, for instance, a family member and say, I need to practice this, I just need to practice, you're still having another person, one, validate your feelings, two, giving you feedback, whether that's feedback on your presentation or perhaps on your, the direction you're taking, it's still useful. And they know people. You're still networking, even when it's your friends or your family or people that are really close to you, you are still networking. It's kind of like rehearsal, right? You have a rehearsal and then you have maybe a, a, a dress rehearsal and then you have opening night. Well, and I'm thinking of this specifically as your dress rehearsal where you invite people in. They don't actually have to pay for the tickets, yeah. <laughs> but they're, they're, you're inviting them in. Right. Yes, you're giving yourself the opportunity to have an audience and you get to practice, but they're going to talk to other people. They're going to talk well of you in most cases. So let this happen. Invite the people into the conversation. Talk to them about everything you need to talk about and glean the, the lessons from that. Well, and there you can practice also. We talked about the networking of the anatomy of, of a, a networking conversation. Right. And part of that is being comfortable with the ask. And if you haven't done networking before, the ask can be really difficult yeah. and maybe not very well delivered. Right. And so by doing it with people that you know already, you can practice your ask. And two questions I would encourage you to ask is, who, who does that person that you do know that isn't in your industry or isn't um, connected to who you are, who do they know that does the kind of work that you do? Right. Because you, you never know who their circle of influence is. Right. Uh, the second question I would ask is, uh, who are the people that would hire for the type of job you're seeking or the type of work that you do? You'd be surprised how you get two different answers to that same question. Right. You can also identify these people on LinkedIn, but that you know we have another series on how to right. identify these people. Yeah, I I really encourage people often to go ahead and practice. I I say this in my leadership development courses that what you practice you perform, and what you put out you get mirrored back to you. So as you're working through this, keep that in mind. That doesn't mean that you have to put on a show. That doesn't mean that you're, you're putting on airs, so to speak. It simply means be aware of what's happening. Give yourself permission to make mistakes. Whether that's with a family member or a professional networking contact, it's okay to make mistakes. But if you practice it with people who already know you and trust you and you feel safe with, that performance will get better when you're with the people that you're professionally networking with. Speaking of making mistakes and getting comfortable, one thing you can do to mitigate the downside of, of making a mistake is by having a system or a series of templates, call them a script, call it whatever you want. Right. If you have a consistent way that you're approaching this process, you're going to be less nervous about it. Right. 
That's a great point. It just popped up into my head. Uh, I did acting in my youth, and one of the things that I realized was no matter how many times I had practiced the script, I knew I could deliver it verbatim, everything was fine, I was still nervous before I went on stage. And the only recurring dream that I have from my acting days is being off stage, not knowing what show I'm in or what my next line is, and I know my entrance is about to come on. That is That causes me so much panic. But setting that aside, yeah. the idea is you're going to have a script. The more you practice that, the easier it becomes to say the lines without having to think about it. It doesn't have to be exactly the same words. It doesn't even have to be the same story that you told the last <laughs> time. The thing is, you know what you're talking about and where you're leading this conversation. The more you do this, the easier it becomes the more conversational it becomes, and you don't have to be um, beating yourself up over yeah. what you didn't say. Well, I'm also thinking about, Scott, when you reach out to somebody by email or even LinkedIn invitations or LinkedIn um, messaging, is that by having a, a script or a template or something you're using, you don't have to think about it. Right? Exactly. You do, you, and so yeah, once you have it point. developed and you can modify it and fine tune it and all those things, but, but having those set up so that you can use them overcomes that objective objection objection trying to use the right word yeah. uh the objection that you get oh i don't know anybody well how many millions of people are on linkedin there's a lot of them right so you can get to meet somebody and having a template or something is going to take a lot of the uh, approach avoidance away from yeah. from that process so we really encourage you to have set up different scripts for different types of things mm -hmm. Um, whether that be uh, somebody you went to college or uh, people you went to college with. Hey, I see we're fellow alumni of this college, right? So have different um, templates set up so that it makes the process easy for you. Right. Uh, one last note on, on being nervous. If you can approach that nervousness as a benefit to you, you're probably going to be able to embrace the moment more easily. And I say that because when you are nervous, you are naturally thinking faster. The brain actually processes information more quickly when you are nervous. Mm. It's an, the, what's the, the imbic brain, whatever that is. I can't remember. Limbic brain. Limbic. Yeah, that's what it is. Whatever. Right, we're I, always looking for the right words. Yeah. It happens when you get old. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> um, no, it's, it, it's a natural process. When we're doing that, we find that we're taking in more oxygen to feed our brain so that we can think more quickly. Nervousness actually helps us. So when you're looking at that, you'll be more on your toes. You'll be sharper, uh, assuming it's that you're It's a biological response. Yes, assuming that it is not overwhelming. And again, your practice will keep it from getting overwhelming. The other thing that can decrease your level of nervousness and get more quickly into rapport, which I think is a sense of comfort, it's also a biological response, is to ask questions. Right. Often we feel like we have to fill the air with our own voice, and so you can create templates just like you did for the introductions on LinkedIn. You can create a templated series of questions. Now you may want to trade some in or out You know, when you get better at networking, right. but having a series of, of the same questions to ask somebody will kind of get you in a rhythm. 
I have, when I go for interviews, I try to have my list of questions in front of me. One, some of those questions are going to be answered during the interview process. This is also true of networking conversations. So you take those questions in, you're having conversations with people, you don't have to ask the questions that have already been answered, but you're walking in prepared and you have those questions available to you that you may want to tweak because of something else that they've said. That is brilliant. Listen to what they've said so that you can start trying to understand them better. They are going to be listening better to you, hopefully, to understand you better. And then those questions become relevant. They show that you're paying attention and that interest builds upon itself. The show part is what I like about that, is that you're showing them you're prepared. You're showing them you're interested. And, and this works in networking as well. Absolutely. If you have a prepared list of questions, in fact, if you feel uncomfortable that you're going to read them, just tell them that you're going to read them. And sure. they'll probably say, by all means, right. go ahead. No problem. I have never had <laughs> someone tell me, one, I cannot ask a prepared question, and two, I cannot take notes. They almost always appreciate that. Now, it's possible you may run into somebody who looks at you like, why would you want to do that? If they say anything, you can actually answer that question. Well, because I want to be prepared. That's a good thing. It's always a good thing. The, the preparation is actually going to help you psych yourself up. You're not going to psych yourself out. It's easy to get psyched out. It truthfully. is. Thinking this is a big thing or my entire future is on this one interaction and with another isn't. human being. It isn't. We just put it's too just much. just now. Yeah. 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 You're absolutely right. You, we put way too much on each of these moments. Just try and live in the moment. The more you do this, the more practice you get, the easier it becomes. Not because the nature of the thing has changed, but your ability to accomplish it does. It gets better. To ease into the networking and not psych yourself out, look for low-stakes situations that are going to generate success for you. That's why we encourage you to start with people you know. Yep. That's a low-stakes situation where there's a high probability you're going to have success. It helps you get into the networking part of it. Right. We also did, and I'll put this in the show notes, we did an episode on having a wingman. Having a wingman is somebody that you can maybe take with you to a networking event or that you can lean into to practice. Somebody that's coming along with you in the journey uh, allows you to psych yourself up. Yep and not psych yourself out. I think about a friend of mine who was we met because we were both in one of the job seekers groups. And we hit it off and we started going to the networking events together because neither of us really liked going. He was much more the introvert than I, but uh, it's just not my thing. The, these big networking events with all kinds of people where most everybody is looking for a job. It's like, well, what could I possibly bring to that? They call that well, a career fair. Yeah. Or a job a fair. A job fair. <laughs> and you're really wondering, is this worth my while? Well, if there's a question whether or not it's going to be worth your time and effort, take somebody that's going to make that worth your time and effort. Somebody you're going to have fun with. Because if you're having fun, that's going to rub off. People will notice that you're having a good time. That is probably the most attractive Thing that you can do at a networking event. So take that wingman. It's one of the best pieces of advice I ever got. Whatever it takes to stay in the game. Yeah. Okay. And so staying engaged, staying in the game, you have to really understand the numbers when it comes to networking. And, and I'm not saying it's a numbers game, but but you it have to be. you have to 
well, some people think of a game and it's like, why am I even doing this? Why am I even playing this game? I think it's a, an activity that generates results. However, people stop too early in the process. Could be, yeah. Primarily because they don't get a job when that isn't a real realistic expectation right. of networking. Yeah. Um, and so, truthfully, they can see that doing an application is going to generate some kind of outcome. I either get a letter saying no, I get a phone screen, or I get something. Sometimes, right? Right. But the conversion numbers that I've seen in my experience is for every person that you connect with, fifty or send a connection request to, you're going to get fifty percent say yes to a connection. And that's that that's probably optimistic. But LinkedIn is the best place to make that happen. So fifty percent of the people you send a connection request to will say yes. In my experience, of those that say yes. 10% will respond to messaging, right? Some kind of back and forth message on the platform. Okay. And we, even though that may sound like a low number, we still recommend that if you're connecting with someone, send them a personalized message. Yes. Because that gives them a reason to pay attention. And even if they didn't read that message when you sent it, by sending a follow-up message, they can then collaborate. Yeah. So the idea is they'll actually respond to your messages on LinkedIn. And then of those that respond to your messages, about 10% of those will engage in a conversation offline, whether that be by phone or face-to-face. -face. Yep. So if I know those numbers going into it, I know I have to have staying power to see the results. There, There is one thought that I like to remind people of. As you are reaching out to somebody to have a networking conversation, those who say yes are probably going to get something out of that conversation too. Now, it may not be their next job. It may not be anything more than just a good feeling of having had a nice conversation with a nice person. But people who say yes generally want to do this. You're, you shouldn't walk into this feeling like you're, you've become a burden on them or that you're asking too much of them. You're not. If they say yes, they want to talk to you. And it, it, I personally, I enjoy those meetings. I don't have many opportunities to do it. So when they pop up, I'm happy to do it. I enjoy it. I get something out of it. Remember that you're bringing something to the game as well. And for those who say, oh, well, it's just a game. Why am I in it? Wouldn't you rather play a game? I, I, I love to turn that on its head I, because I don't like play, playing games either. When you think of the political games that sometimes we have to play at work or the, the, any of the negative connotations that come with playing games. But then there is the other side of it. When you make play of your work, it's, it feels less like work. Mm. When you make play of your job search or your networking, it makes it less burdensome. Yeah. It's more gamification yeah, versus it's, gaming. Right. 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 Great. That, that's perfect. Yeah. I'm going to use those words. You can. Yeah. I don't it, have a trademark on them. So. Well, let's do that. Um, we, we should do that yeah. on uh, jobseekers.com. Um, jobseekersradio.com. I can't even say it right. Yeah. The idea is have fun when you're doing that whenever you can. Try to live in the moment. Make it as enjoyable as you can. And before we go, I'll use the words of my friend Cleon Cox. Meet somebody. Have fun. Uh, yeah. Have fun. Meet someone. Learn something. And learn, learn something. Learn something. Well, that does it for this episode of Job Seekers Radio. We appreciate your time and attention in this um, podcast. We do this for you. So please, if you need any of the show notes, go to jobseekersradio.com forward slash 028. So thank you everyone for joining us for this episode. We know that you're investing time and attention in this and we really do appreciate it. 
If you have a moment, go over to iTunes and leave us a rate and review along with any questions or feedback that you have. We're happy to take a look at that. In fact, we're going to be doing some episodes throughout uh, the year here answering questions that are coming in. The feedback helps us to improve this if there's improvement to be made. We want to make this as effective a platform. It's free. We, we're not going to be charging for these. This really is about how we can give back to a community that has served us. So that's why we're here. We want your feedback. We want your involvement. Give us some give us some love by telling people about us share share the the podcast with somebody you think who might benefit and send us feedback so that we can remain relevant for you great well i'm andrew and i'm scott we'll see you next episode of job seekers radio thanks everybody bye-bye meaningful support to find great careers faster and this that's oh my god (laughs) Let's start that one over.